Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a pre-recorded program presented by KSL News Radio and Intermountain Healthcare. Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. We discuss the important community issues of stronger mental health, emotional wellness, and the growing problem of addiction. Here's our host, Maria Chaleos, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thank you for joining us for Healthy Mind Matters. With me today is Dr. Brooks Keishan. He's a child abuse pediatrician and child psychiatrist with University of Utah Health and Primary Children's Hospital. And we're talking about COVID-19 and how to help kids and families really cope with what is happening in our world right now. And Dr. Keishan, this is a stressful time for parents, too. And if a parent isn't healthy, a child's not going to be healthy, certainly. So how do we help parents with the stress that they are dealing with so that they can send the positive messages to children? So, you know, helping parents is really a cornerstone of pediatric mental health in general. Um, Kids aren't going to do better in general unless their parents are at a place where they are getting their needs met. Um, So, so we start with a lot of the same principles with kids, but but thinking about it with parents, um, recognizing that this is a stressful event. It's common to be uh, to have stressful reactions to the idea of COVID and the pandemic. It's also common to feel uh, stressful related to some of the secondary adversities that we're all experiencing in terms of the change in school, uh, the job uncertainty that many of us are facing right now. Um, just recognizing and validating that having emotions about that and not having to put, uh, you know, a, to not have to uh, pretend like everything is okay is, is generally the good first step. Um, in addition to that, it's then problem solving. Um, what do you need as the parent to make sure that you're getting your needs met? And every parent uh, goes about this differently. Uh, some rely on family, some rely on communities or uh, uh, through their church groups um, or other religious support groups. Um, some are going to be relying on uh, professionals um, or their uh, or they're going to be bouncing stuff uh, off of their coworkers. Um, Whatever that pathway is, starting with kind of identifying that this is stressful and validating that and helping the parent think through, okay, what are the ways that I usually get support and how do I access those now, especially in this time of this physical distancing, social distancing, um, are are generally the first uh, two most critical steps that parents can do to make sure that they're getting their own needs met. 
most parents aren't used to being the educators of their children as well. I mean, although we teach our children all sorts of things throughout the day, we're not used to teaching them English, math, and all of those other things. So that adds to the stress. How do how does a parent go about this to, in the most positive way possible? Well, if we if we go through that stepwise approach, um, this is stressful. What are my supports? that I usually can access and can currently access to deal with stress. Um, A logical next step when it comes to these added responsibilities um, is really what are are reasonable goals for us to achieve right now? Um, If we try, if we recognize that this is a changing event, if we recognize that this is unique and many of us have never confronted anything like this before, um, and that we need additional supports to get through this. Um, I think it's easier to see that maybe some of the expectations we had prior to COVID can temporarily be relaxed a little bit. Um, If we're struggling with maintaining some of the schoolwork, let's cut ourselves a little bit of slack with that and reestablish some goals that that are achievable given our circumstances. Um, If we're talking about screen time, balance, for example, and we're also trying to do work from home. Um, Instead of, again, being the goal that that we try to do exactly what we would do in normal times, do we need to modify that a little bit? Establishing reasonable, achievable goals in a time of change um, is is okay. We don't have to hold ourselves up to, well, if, if COVID wasn't happening and I wasn't stressed, these are the things I'd expect of my child. And so if we don't achieve that, I am failing. No, we, we need to cut ourselves a little slack and say, given what's going on right now, what is achievable? And what are the ways in which I can do that, that, that I can achieve those goals with my kids so that we are being successful? Yeah, this is this is tough for a person like me because I'm a little bit anxious and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, the kids are going to get behind. I'm really grateful I don't have young children at this point in my life because this would be pretty, pretty stressful for me. Um, so how does a parent decide, hey, what's the most important thing? I mean, we don't want to just relax things to the point where everyone's just sitting on the couch all day. No, but that's that's where we're going back to our social supports. Um it's oftentimes really hard for the person who's in the trenches to, to make those decisions by herself or himself. Um, reaching out to those support folks or reaching out to other parents and kind of getting ideas as to what they're doing or what they're seeing or getting some external feedback um, is often groups coming together and problem solving and coming up with the right solution oftentimes results in a better answer than just one person trying to figure it out themselves. How do mom and dad go about working at this together? Um, I think sometimes this would be where you would see differences in maybe their parenting skills or parenting types, just their personality types. And and the fact that they're now both at home, both trying to work from home, both trying Trying to manage manage expectations. Both trying to help (laughs) the kids continue their education. I I can't see how that could could manifest at all. No, I just, you know, it's... Sorry about that joke there, but it's no, no, it's true. It's a lot. Yeah, it, it is a lot, and you know, it is going back to basics. So relationships um, are wonderful, and relationships take work. 
Um, and so that same idea of that support person, you know, I didn't mention partners as part of that support uh, piece earlier. And, and clearly, partners are an incredibly important piece of, of the support network for many of us. So again, going back to that same idea, how are we doing, recognizing that this is stressful, and let's decide together what are the accomplishable goals right now um, versus me just decide and then you kind of tag along whether you like the decision or not. Let, let's try to do this together. How does a parent avoid nagging with all of these things that even young children know that they should be doing when it comes to hygiene, washing your hands? What is the best way to approach things like that? What we often talk about with parents who are dealing with children who have significant behavioral problems is pick your battles and, you know, it takes it takes the parent uh, an effort to say what what is it that's most important to me right now, and what are the things that I can let go. Um, if we do it in the moment, what can often happen is, you know, the, we ask the kid to do something, they don't do it. We're now emotionally distraught that they're not doing the one thing that we asked them to do. That brings up four other things that we now ask for in rapid succession. Not surprisingly, they don't do any of those things. Now we've just kind of elevated and elevated and elevated, and and we're probably getting into that nagging and, and also just causing conflict between the parent and the child. Um, if we go back to, well, what are the things that are most critical, um, then that'll, that, that pre-thinking allows us to say, well, you know, these are the things that I most need you to do. And we're going to focus on these and, and talking about it with the child ahead of time. Tomorrow, these are the things I'm going to ask you to do, and I need you to do these three things. Um, do you understand what I'm talking about? Yes, no. Um, do you think that's reasonable? Or using not the word reasonable, but a, a more child-friendly word. Do you think that sounds okay? Yes, no. Let's talk about it beforehand. So now we're prepared tomorrow and when I ask those, uh, when I request those things, um, there's a much greater chance that the child's going to do those things. And it'll prevent me from kind of getting into that nagging, have you done it, have you done it, have you done it, have you done it, that we uh, often um, are prone to do. Right. What is some good advice for reactionary parents, ones that are quick to react when the child is screaming or not uh, behaving in a way that they see that they want them to. Um, what would be your best advice for a parent like that? I mean, most of us who are reactionary know that we're reactionary, <laughs> but how can you help those type of parents? It's okay to take a time out. And, and I'm saying that from the parent standpoint. If we feel like we are getting to a point where, you know, I am just losing my temper, I am not communicating effectively. You know, we often kind of think about kind of sending the child to her room or his room, but oftentimes it's equally as effective. In fact, if not more effective to say to the child, if this is happening in a situation, hey, I need to take a break. I will come back in a few minutes when I'm calmed down. That's perfectly fine to do. And and if it's something that you see your partner doing, um, again, it's okay to say to the partner, you know, let me take over. Why don't you take a break for yourself? Um, it's that initial recognition that I'm going to a place that's not going to be helpful 
uh, for the child or for how I'm trying to address this with the child, and then having the plan. And, you know, we can come up with lots of intricate plans on calming and um, relaxation techniques and lots of stuff, but at the end of the day, recognizing that it's happening and being able to have permission for ourselves to take a break when we need to are, are usually the most effective steps in, in addressing that issue. And let us take a break for just a moment. And you're listening to Healthy Mind Matters on KSL News Radio.